0: All right. So I know you're already thinking football and chicken wings. So um, we're just going to try and keep our focus here just for a little bit. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, one of the teaching pastors here. A couple quick announcements as we get started. First of all, uh, last night we met together and gave people the opportunity to sign up for missions uh, experiences this summer. We're sending teams to New Orleans, Joplin, uh, Missouri. Honduras, two trips to Mexico, Thailand, Kenya, and Tanzania. And if you're interested, if you missed out on the opportunity to sign up for those, you can go to the connection point, give us your name, what trip you're interested in, and we'll get information for you. Um, which will be great. As well, there's a couple conferences coming up. Arrows Out is our leadership conference. If you're in any form of leadership here at Christ the King, we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. Ladies, you've got a conference next weekend, um, which is the Step Into the Power conference for women. And we'd invite you to come. That's going to be hosted here at Christ the King. And then uh, over the next couple of weeks... Um, We're getting ready to do a series called Burning Questions, and I'd love to hear what your burning questions are. We're going to fly just an opportunity there for you to to send those to us. You can text them to us, send them to us online, or in the connection card in your program, okay? I'm not looking for your riddle. Okay? You know, if God's so big, He can create anything, could He create a rock that even He couldn't lift? I mean, seriously, can we just move beyond that kind of stuff? Um, I'm looking for the one question you'd ask God if you actually had an opportunity to have that face-to-face conversation with Him. And we're looking for the deep stuff of our lives, and we're going to create a series out of it coming out of your feedback, and I'm excited about, uh, about where that'll happen. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to send me your question, we're not going to be able to answer them all, but we'll take a good swing at as many as we can. Okay? So over the past nine years, I've had some epic verbal stumbles, okay? There is an inherent risk about talking out loud for a living, and when you do that in a public place, all you need to do is misplace one letter, and it can go tragically wrong for you, okay? Some of you will remember, this happened several years ago here at Christ the King. All I was trying to say were the words, the phrase, the city of Chicago, The problem was the sh of Chicago ran into the word city and it just went tragically wrong from there. Okay. Don't think about it too much. All right. But I try, I took four or five runs at it. I ended up cussing out the whole church. I mean, it was just not good. It was one of those dark moments and they captured it on a video and they play it for me every once in a while, which I love. Yeah. Okay. Not that long ago on a Saturday night, I was using a visual called super Push Ups. And in my description of those, of those particular items, I was trying to say this phrase. I was trying to say, goofy plastic discs. I missed one S, okay? I missed one S. Some of you are catching it. Don't think too hard, Okay. And the whole church turned into a group of fifth grade boys. And they started laughing and giggling. And the fact that my, wife, that my mother was in the second row completely freaked me out. That that wasn't good for anything. If you still haven't figured it out, don't think anymore because you're going to stumble. Okay? All right? I mean, it was just one of those moments. Terribly embarrassed, but then an amazing thing happened over the next couple of days. People started sending me thank you letters. Totally surprised me. Thanks for being human, thanks for messing up, thanks for laughing it off, thanks for reminding me that we all have those moments that we wish we could just rewind and go backwards. There's a psychological study that actually came out that was entitled, The Effect of a Pratt Fall on Interpersonal Attractiveness, okay? That's what I read in my spare time. I read psychological journals. And this particular article basically said this, seeing somebody that you admire do something stupid or clumsy makes you like them more. You just like them better. You like them because it's not their triumphs or their victories that draw us to people, it's their failures that just make it better. Let's face it, we like people who stumble because it helps us believe that we're not the only ones that end up on our face from time to time. I think that's why I look at Scripture and I relate more with the people who got it wrong than the people who got it right. I love David because he stumbled as a leader, I love Peter because he stumbled as a follower, I love Thomas because he stumbled as a believer. I even have a place in my heart for Judas because I know exactly what it feels like to sell out Jesus. Been there, done that. I love the rich young ruler because he got tripped up by greed. I love the woman at the well because she stumbled in her marriage and her relationships. I even love the demon-possessed guy who stumbled into the occult, not because he was a part of that darkness, but because of how God saved him from it. I love Martha because she stumbled into busyness. I love Moses because he stumbled into insecurity. I love Gideon because he stumbled into fear. I love the fact that they they all have that in common. They had an epic stumble in their life. But that's not the only reason I love them. I also love them because all of them have this in common. In response to their stumble, God shows up and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to allow me to gather up the broken pieces of your life and give them to me, and watch me transform them. The Bible actually has a, has a word for it. They call it beauty for ashes. And the prophet Isaiah spoke of this beauty for ashes God. In Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to read this together. You can open your Bible or your app, or just look at the outline. It's an old school, classic piece of scripture. If you grew up in church, you have heard this before, but we're going to try and put a new face on it, okay? The Bible says in verse 28, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Let's just stop there for a second. The prophet starts off by giving us a character sketch of God. And this is what he says you need to know. God is everlasting. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He always is, always was, and always is going to be. He's infinite in his being. And that means this. That means God can outlast your biggest failure. When your failure is done and over, he's going to be able to outlast that. He's infinite in his being, which means he can take my epic stumble and remove them as far as the east is from the west. In case you don't know, if you can remove something as far as the east is from the west, that's an infinite distance. And in order to be able to accomplish that, you actually have to be infinitely bigger than infinity. That's what God is. God is everlasting. Secondly, the prophet says God is a creator. He created the ends of the earth, and we all run the course of our lives under the banner of this creation. He created you with strengths and with weaknesses, and He is infinitely acquainted with your ability to be completely human. Doesn't shock him, doesn't throw him off when you stumble over yourself. He completely gets that because he created you and understands that. Thirdly, the prophet says God is inexhaustible. I've got limitations, but God knows no limitations. Right now, I'm tired. I've already preached today. I'm just coming off a head cold. I'd like to go home, eat chicken wings, watch football, and just mind my own business. That's what I really want to do because I'm tired in this moment. I've had a lot of caffeine as well. Can you tell? I mean, just we're working on a couple of mochas this morning but I come to the end of my own strength, just like you come to the end of yours. But the Bible says God has limitless power and energy. And when I come to the end of my strength, the strength of God is just beginning to to kick in. I mean, don't you love knowing that God doesn't need to sit down and take a breather? He doesn't gasp or get short of breath. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need a sabbatical. He doesn't need a vacation. He doesn't need to recharge. And that power is fully available to those of us who call ourselves His children. Fourthly, this passage says God's completely knowledgeable, knows everything about you, everything. He knows your victories before you get them. He knows your falls before you trip. He knows the godly part of your heart, and he also knows that wicked little corner that all of us have in common too. He knows our stumbles before we even get to them. And then this is what the prophet says. Okay, that's the God that you love and serve and that loves you. And then he says this, God shares his strength. When I can't go on, God shares his strength. He increases spiritual strength in me when I've reached my limits. In fact, when I'm at my weakest point, God is just getting started. When I get to that lowest moment, God is actually at the apex at that moment. And then he goes on and says this, God multiplies his power. When I'm completely tapped, I love this little piece of language there. He increases the power of the weak. He knows you're going to stumble. He knows that you're not... You just aren't that strong. And yet he gives and imparts a part of his energy and power into your life so that when you're weak, he is strong. The Bible just kind of focuses on it. If you needed an example of it. Now, I know I asked this at the other services. Somebody said, yes, you guys aren't going to be able to say yes to this, but we'll just pretend anyway. Did anybody see the sunset or the sunrise this morning? Anybody in the room? Yeah, I didn't think. Some of you did. Wow. Sleep in service. The rest of you were just out cold, weren't you, right? This morning, God, in His infinite power, painted a sunrise in the sky of Whatcom County to simply remind us of all of this. God's a creator, unmatched in knowledge, unmatched in power. And here's the coolest thing if you saw it today, He did that just for you. What a gift. The first verses of this section are like a character sketch of God. And I should revel in those words because that's the God that I serve. But I, when I read Isaiah chapter 40, I don't focus on the first couple of verses like I should. When I read Isaiah 40, my eyes immediately go to verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. And I can't just hop over top of that verse and leave it alone because for me, that verse is personal. And whether you are a young person here today or you're an older person and you can look back on that season of your life, you have to look at that verse and it's got to own you in that moment. Youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall. You see, that just triggers some stuff in me. As a young man, I stumbled emotionally. Anxiety, depression, just trying to figure out who I was. I stumbled philosophically trying to figure out whether I could wrap my worldview around Jesus or whether Jesus was going to wrap his worldview around mine. I stumbled intellectually thinking that I was just way smarter than I actually was. Thought I could actually outthink God. I stumbled physically. I stumbled economically. I stumbled morally. I mean, I look back at those days and it's just like, it was just epic stumbles. Stumbles. I look at that verse and I don't want to spend too much time there. In fact, I want to jump over it. And some of you are already reading ahead and you're like, hey, can't we just go to the eagle part? Let's get to that eagle section. That's a great section, you know? Let's talk about eagles and how they soar and how they have eagle eyes and how they rip out their feathers when they're molting and create this bloody mess so they don't die under their old feathers. I mean, let's just do that. Grant, preach about eagles and then let's have an altar call and everybody can come forward and you can leave your old feathers behind and and walk out of here thinking, I'm just going to be an eagle for Jesus this week. This is awesome. Let's just... (sighs) You know, let's just do that and go home and, and eat chicken eagle wings and watch football it's gonna be awesome you know we all just want to jump over verse 30 let's get to the eagle part let's get to the hope and the renewal that that'll make me feel better but i get stuck in verse 30 even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall i wonder who the prophet was thinking about when he wrote those words You see, if you look back at the history, he'd seen kings and princes of Israel come and go, and they'd stumble over themselves, stumble over their pride and their greed and their morality and their pursuit of status. I bet there was just a list of faces that Isaiah was seeing, all these promising young men and women who who looked like they were going the right direction, and and then they stumbled. I've got a list of friends and pastors in my mind who seemed to be on a course at one time, and then they stumbled. It scares me when I go through the list because I look at some of them like they were spiritual giants, and I just have no idea how they ended up where they did. Years ago, I went to Dallas, Texas, and I got invited into a room. There were 42 of us inside of the room. In order to get in the room, you had to be under the age of 40 and have a a church of more than 2,000 people, and they just kind of gathered us so we could have an opportunity to talk. Here's the tragedy of that group of young men. Of the 42 that met that day in Dallas, there's only two of us left in ministry. Not 22, two. You want to know how to pray for me? Pray that I don't stumble. Straight up. I actually got a chance to spend a lot of time with these guys because there were more than just... Comrades, they were actually friends. And I would ask them questions about the root causes of their stumble, and their answers are common for all of us. So, this was my question Why do the most able bodied of us stumble? Why do the most spiritual of us seem to have those moments when we just trip and fall over ourselves? And and I listed their answers here because I think there's a lot of wisdom here. Number one, we just run too fast. We try to outrun God. We try to outrun the wisdom of God. We're going so fast, we can't hear him. We come to those crossroads moments of our lives when God just is like, just slow down, just slow down. You're gonna hit a wall going 75 if you don't. He actually gives us an off ramp where we can go in a completely different direction, but we're just just going so fast, we can't even slow down. And we forget a very simple biblical principle. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. We just run too fast and we we justify it by thinking, well, this is all good Jesus stuff. Totally ignore where the Bible says, rest, wait, slow down. Their second answer is we run too proud. We start to trip and then we forget to reach for the hand of God that's there for stability and and direction. We convince ourselves, I can run this journey alone. And then we're absolutely shocked and surprised when we end up on our face. They said, we run too proud. Thirdly, they said, we run alone. We forget the church is a team sport. We actually think I can be a lone wolf. I can do whatever I want to. I'm a a solo eagle all by myself. And we completely forget that scripture says that we're actually supposed to pity a man who falls down and has nobody there to pick him up. You know why there's nobody there to pick you up? It's because you've never invited anybody to walk on your journey with you. We don't get to do this life solo. And finally, the answer was we run reckless. We run into the same sin cycle over and over again, thinking that different results are going to come out of that. And we think that we're somehow immune to falling. We get wrapped up in that whole pride thing. And we think we're not going to go down. And we forget that Scripture says, hey, just be careful. Because right when you think you're secure, that's when you're the most susceptible to going down. Some of us begin to think we're entitled. We're doing all this great stuff for God, so I'm going to go dip my toe over here in the pool of sin because I, I, I'm allowed to. Just balancing the scales a little bit. To all of us who've ever run too fast, too proud, by ourselves or recklessly, this is what God says through one of the most wise human beings that's ever lived. It comes out of the book of Proverbs and it says this, Listen, my son or my daughter." Accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I'll guide you in the way of wisdom. Lead along straight paths. When you walk, your steps won't be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let it go. Guard it well. It's your life. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't even travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. There's this huge misconception in the world today that there are three roads. Bible says there's two. A broad road that leads to destruction, a narrow road that leads to an eternity with Jesus Christ. We created a third option, but it's not biblical. Third option, the middle road. I'm just going to walk on the middle of the road. I'm not offending anybody. I'm not taking anybody off. I'm just kind of doing. Here's what you need to know. If you're walking today on the middle road, you've actually chosen the broad road. It's the same thing. And you bought the lie. Scripture says to those of us who are wise enough, don't lose the instruction that God's given you. Don't forget how big he is. Hold on to that instruction. Stay on the path. And whenever you're tempted to take an off ramp and go off of the path that God has for you, be wise enough to come back to where God wants you to be. Let's focus in on that last little section of Isaiah 40. Bible says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. If you grew up in church, you're used to different language there, okay? If you grew up and memorized this as a little kid, you won't recognize those who place their hope in the Lord. In fact, you probably heard it this way, but they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Okay, I actually prefer that translation. I think it's more accurate. And I love the fact that when he says wait, it's not disconnected from the verse before that talks about the fact you just hit your face and stumbled. So here's a small piece of wisdom. Counterintuitive to everything you're gonna hear in the world. Whenever you stumble spiritually, stay down. Stay down. Now, I know that goes against it because what's the first thing we're told to do? Get back up again. Dust yourself off. Get back on that horse. You need to ride that thing. That's the way that it needs to go. But that's not a biblical response to a spiritual stumble. I fell out of a tree a while ago. Mark French, one of our interns, was actually there. He witnessed the whole thing. I'm up in a tree about six feet off the ground. That's where my feet were. You know, I'm about 5'10", 5, 5'11", 5, so my head was about 11 feet off the ground. And I'm working with a chainsaw, and I'm trying to take off the limbs of this and cherry tree in our front yard. The, you know, the branch blows back, pinches the blade, the, 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 the chainsaw kicks and bucks and knocks me out of the tree. I literally flipped, head over heels in the air. The first part of my body to contact the ground was my shoulder blades. And I just pancaked. Boom! What was the first thing I did? i'm good i'm fine i can't feel the right side of my body but i'm really i'm good i'm good just leave me alone let me i'm fine i'm really good i'm a man that tree's going down now if i have to cut off my arm and take it with the other one that tree's gonna pay it's firewood i mean that's how it's going right I mean, we just got this thing. It's just instant. I've got to get up. I've got to dust myself off. I've got to manage my image. I need people to think I'm tough. I just, I can't stay down for a second. I've just got to be able to get back up again. I got to deny the pain I was in because that's what real men do. Here's what I found out the next day. I had a broken elbow and two cracked ribs. I was not fine. <laughs> I woke up the next day. I'm like, this is not good at all. I can't breathe. Can I give you some wisdom? When you stumble spiritually, and you will, don't get up too quick. Do what the biblical word wait means. See, we've got a twisted version of the word wait. We think wait is passive. This, we picture wait this way, you know? Just, I'm waiting. Who are you waiting for? I don't know. What are you waiting for? Not sure? Just, I'm um, I'm waiting. Some of you are like, say something, right? You're waiting for the words. You say, but that's the picture we get. It's passive and we're just kind of locked in one place. And you're just waiting for God to bail you out. Waiting for God to get you out of the mess you created. Waiting for God to take out your enemies or strike the tree with lightning. You're waiting for God to just do his God thing. And everything in us says has just got to pop back up. Just a momentary setback. And yet scripture says do the opposite. Stay down. See, while you're down there, I think there's a series of questions. Why did you stumble? What did you trip over? What really happened? When did you take your eye off of the path of God? When was God's hand extended so that you could reach out for stability and you just slapped it away because you knew better? Stay down. It's counterintuitive. See, there's a lot to do when when you've actually stumbled, when you're staying down. I, I also think while you're staying down, you should stay low. Whenever I've failed spiritually, I notice something. I hit the ground, and I usually end up in this posture, like this, right? Hi, Terry. I've never seen you from this. This is new, isn't it, right? Okay. So we end like this. And I don't know about you, but I haven't got the strength to flip over on my back and like kip up like some athletes do. In fact, if I'm going to get back up again, I've actually got to go here first. And this is where you stay. This is the most powerful position that a follower of the Most High God can ever be in. You stay down and you stay low because here's the place where you can humble yourself and say, God, I was running too fast. I got beyond myself. I didn't reach for your hand and I need you to forgive me for doing that. I thought I was all that. So I stay down and I stay low and I don't move of my own volition to get up because this is what scripture says. Scripture says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord And then you can lift yourself up. Is that what your Bible says? No, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I'm not leaving here until God in his infinite strength and wisdom as my creator lifts me out of that stumble and places my feet on the cornerstone that we talked a couple of weeks ago about and he places me there. Then I'm ready to start walking again and only then. We just want to bounce up way too quick. The word wait in Scripture is really, really interesting. It's got two meanings. One is a literal meaning, and it's exactly what you think it is. I'm waiting. I'm I'm, I'm pausing with expectancy. I'm not exactly sure what's coming, but I'm asking good questions, and I'm just going to stay here in a humble posture. I'm waiting on God. That's the literal translation. But there's a second translation. It's figurative. And it actually comes from a nautical term, and it literally means to be bound up together with rope. It actually means to tie something together in knots. And you're like, "How? In the, what does that have to do with waiting?" Well, let me describe it to you. You stumble and you fall, and you don't bounce back up again. You just wait right here, and you begin to do this. You take a string of God's character and you take a string of God's heart and you take a string of God's mercy and his faithfulness and his grace and his love and then you take your thread of failure and you just start braiding and wrapping those things together. And here's what you'll learn. When you wrap your stumble in God's creativity and knowledge and joy and passion, by the time you're done braiding that rope, you won't even be able to recognize your failure because it'll be completely intertwined with God's grace and character. That's what the word weight means. So while you're down, you just start braiding that stuff together. It reminds me of another scripture. It says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You're going to braid your failure in God's infinite goodness that you know can outlast your epic failure. And when you're done, it creates this strong connection between you and your Savior so that when you're ready to get up, you don't start pulling on the rope under your own strength. No, you tap into the strength of the God who's described at the beginning of Isaiah 40, verse 28, and you allow Him to. To pull you up into a standing position. That's how you wait. Last two words in your outline. Rise up. Not on your strength, on His. Not on your knowledge, in His not based on your failure, but on the fact that you braided yourself together with a God who can actually pull you out of the most tragic moment of your life and give you beauty for ashes. Here's where the eagle part comes in. That's the promise. God says if you're actually smart enough to stay down, stay low when you stumble. Then he says if you'll wait... When God lifts you up, you will get to soar like an eagle. You will get to walk and not fall down. You will get to run and never stumble. The problem with this is most of us never ever take the opportunity to just wait. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to practice what we preach. And today is going to be awesome because I'm talking all the people in the back sections. Because I'm going to create a tension in your life right now. Because you're thinking, chicken wings, patriots, giants. Come on, Grant, just wrap this thing up. Let's go. I got stuff to do. Have you got the discipline to wait for six or seven minutes? Most of us don't. So we're going to pray for ourselves right now. And then we're going to go back to work for a few minutes. Okay? Trust me, let's pray together. God, would you give us the courage and the strength right now to live out what this means? Would you help us not to blow through it and just run too fast? Would you help us to just sit here, humble and low, with expectancy? Lord, we're going to live out Isaiah 40:28 through 31 right now. I pray that you'd show up and I thank you for the promise that you will in Jesus name. Amen.